the towel part of the Nexus Conduct Network, a podcast. Jim Benning put his foot in his mouth. We, of course, talk about the media tour Jim Benning did today on Friday this morning. But, of course, we talk about also the week that was for the Vancouver Canucks. Monday night, the Canucks finally got their bounces. Tuesday night, not so much. And Thursday night, last night, was, of course, the Jake Vertanen show. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network, a podcast. Before you listen any further, Make sure to subscribe to Next Misconduct Network wherever you get podcasts. You, of course, get this show, Power of the Town, but you also get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit, a quickie, a daily hockey show by Trevor Beggs, and Sip It On a 40, the now not post-game show, but still multiple episodes a week show from the one and only Kyle Bowen. So, as we mentioned in the intro... I do. The majority of this episode will be about the Benning media tour that he did. He did a press conference at 10 a.m. today on Friday, and he did an interview with Scott Rintoul, Sports at 650, shortly afterwards at 11 a.m. But let's talk about this week that was for the Vancouver Canucks first. First off, Monday night, at the time with the game that happened the day we recorded our last episode with Joshua Ray. Monday night, the Canucks finally got all their bounces. That's my main takeaway. They finally got all the bounces to go their way in the game and won a game. Brandon Sutter finally got his first assist of the season. The second power play unit finally got their first goal. Niels Hoaglander almost did the lacrosse goal. But the story of that game was Thatcher Demko stealing that game for the Vancouver Canucks. And we, we just mentioned that the Canucks got all their bounces. And one of those bounces was... Thatcher Demko turning into Bubble Demko. He was awesome in that game. He made a number of grade A quality scoring chance saves on the Winnipeg Jets. It was honestly a great performance from Thatcher Demko and one I think that has cemented his place as the number one goalie for this team going forward. Not not that there was any doubt before. A performance like that against a Jets team that has a formidable top six, in my opinion really goes a long way to solidify yourself as a starter. A convincing, for the most part, 4-0 win in the vacuum. Canucks got three goals in the first period and kind of just coasted from there. Let Thatcher Demko do his thing. Adam Gaudet had two assists. Finally getting some actual points for all those chances. Niels Hoaglander did have a goal, almost tried the lacrosse goal, like I said. It's coming, folks. He's eventually going to get that lacrosse goal. I can feel it. Then on Tuesday, the Vancouver Canucks played the Winnipeg Jets again. Second half of back-to-back. And the big storyline coming out of that game was Braden Holtby. There were some question marks as to whether, in hindsight, he should not have gotten that start. And look, I understand why Travis Green gave Holtby the start. I think I would have done the same. The second half of a back-to-back. You got a big series against Toronto coming up. You do not, do not 
want to tire out Demko in that situation. So I get it. I get starting Holpe. We have the data on goalies on second halves on the back-to-back. Maybe it's a bit different because you're not traveling. But still, I, I get I get it. I get why Travis Green started Brain Holpe in that situation. But at this point, Brain Holpe is not giving you the saves. It's just That's just the moral of that game. That's just the takeaway from that game. Holpe isn't going to give you the saves if he's in there. And this team needs saves. This needs to be timely saves. If that has any chance of winning hockey games. I think we're pretty much at the halfway point of the season. That much is clear. It will be a true moral victory if the Canucks this season can at any point come back for after scoring. Sorry, my apologies, after conceding the first goal. They managed to tie it up. Good for them. But then a back-breaking goal let in by Brain Holpe. And I get the turnover by Sutter was a big thing, but Holpe's got to make that save as well. He was on his backhand, on an angle. That's a that's not a prime, prime scoring chance, but that is a good scoring chance, and Holpe needs to make that save if you're a goalie. That's just the fact of the matter. Again, Thatcher Demko is the starter of this team going forward. And that contract, man, I think it was uh, Thomas Strancy of The Athletic who said Brayden Holpe's contract next year is at 5.1-something actual dollars. That's not the salary cap hit. That is the actual dollars being paid out. And that is a tough pill to swallow for any team in the National Hockey League. Brain Holpe already has an untradeable contract. Which is pretty wild when you think about it. He only signed his contract, you know, six months ago back in October. And I was a fan of the Holpe signing at the time. You know, Ian Clark, that's a guy who can turn around a goalie if need be. He has experience in the past with a guy like Jacob Markstrom. But I think we're starting to see that it's going to take a bit of time for Brain Opie to rediscover his game if he ever does that. And they that might not be in Vancouver because he's only on a two-year deal. I, I, I honestly thought, you can go listen back to this podcast. In a condensed schedule, you need a 1A, 1B type ba- t- tandem. I still firmly believe that. But now the question remains, was it smart to tie up that much resources into now a clear backup goalie? Maybe not at the time. There was maybe cheaper options out there. Was it a bad decision in hindsight to go after Brain Holpe, even on a two-year deal? Sort of looks like it. And I think people like myself, and I think people, myself included, I'll say it, just look at the term of the deal to determine if a contract is bad. The AAV for a guy like Brain Holpe, I believe the salary cap hit will be around four point something million. That's bad for a backup goalie. Again, only a two-year deal, but again, I think people sometimes overlook the salary cap hit of a contract, maybe not the term. There's an aversion to term online. But you don't necessarily see an aversion to high salaries. Of course, a player has to live up to that. But I think we're starting to maybe see a, a, a trend turning with Holpe. One of the big stories of the game, one thing I noticed at least, a bad JT Miller back check on that first goal. It was quite concerning to see JT Miller just kind of give up on that back check there. Very concerning if you ask me. And again, it's it's a trend we've seen from JT Miller throughout the season. Lack of effort sometimes on the back check. He still had a good game point-wise. He got a goal, six shots on goal. And as long as he's producing offensively, I think you can maybe forgive him for some of these efforts on defense. At least I am. 
But folks, if he's not producing and he's not back-checking, then we have a big problem. We have a very big problem there. It was another disappointing loss for the Vancouver Canucks. They start off well. They get the first goal. Sorry, they tie it up after the first goal. And then wheels just kind of fall off after that. Once the Canucks go down in the game, it's very rare that they, they have enough to muster back and come back. And that's one of the big disappointments of the season. They don't still don't have a comeback win. And you 0-13, I believe the stat is, when they score first. Still, still, not looking good. Not looking good in that, in that sense. Okay, Thursday's game. The game that just ended last night. The Vancouver Canucks beat the hated Toronto Maple Leafs 3-1. to This was a schedule loss for the Leafs. They came off having to play Edmonton in Edmonton the night before. So second half of the back-back in another city that, for the most part, spells disaster for an NHL team. I'm interested to see how the Canucks fare when the Leafs have a bit of rest on Saturday night at 4 p.m. because, of course, it's Toronto. Saturday night in Vancouver, you got to have the game at 4 p.m. Got to have the game at 4 p.m. But Thursday night was the Jake Vertanen show. The Jake Vertanen revenge tour. He's a guy who got two goals, called out the Twitter Warriors online, and guess what? (laughs) I'm, I'm a Twitter warrior myself. I'm a Twitter warrior myself. Straight up. Straight up, I'm gonna borrow some of Kyle's sound sound effects here. Straight up, I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Twitter warrior too. I've been calling out Jake Furtanen. He's been calling out me essentially. And you know what? Shout out to Jake Furtanen for letting the haters motivate you. I tweet this out. He's gonna be wearing one of those I Heart Haters hats next time he walks into Rogers Arena. Man's hilarious. And that first goal. What if people? Been saying about Jake for 10 for years. What's his big criticism? Drives to net. Jake, you got the speed. You got the size. Drives to net. He does that. He gets a goal. Second goal. Again, didn't drive to the net, but a great snipe on Michael Hutchinson. And yeah, Jake Jake for Tannen. He had a hell of a game. This was the Jake for Tannen revenge tour game. He's coming after all you haters, all you Twitter warriors, myself included. He's on his phone all the time, man. It just reinforces that these professional athletes, they see the tweets. They're online. Jake Vertanen has a burner out there somewhere, and he's just following. He probably just follows. He probably just searches Jake Vertanen. He wants to see what we're saying, and we're shitting on him, and, you know, he came back. He came back at us, and that's good to see, man. But in in all seriousness, Jake Vertanen had a great game. Thatcher Demko was honestly their best player in that game versus the Toronto Maple Leafs, in my opinion. He made a number of great saves. Once again, it was very similar to the to the Jets game on Monday night. Thatcher Demko's stats, one goal on 32 shots. No points for the likes of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, John Tavares. It was a, it was a bad night for the Leafs' big guns, and they got their chances, but Thatcher Demko... Thatcher Demko stole the show. That chance by Austin Matthews late. I believe he hit the post. It looked like a great save by Demko. I was ready to jump out of my seat. But again, but again, Thatcher Demko was the best player for the Vancouver Canucks in that game against the Leafs. But I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see how they fare Saturday night against Toronto when they have a bit of rest. But we, we teased it off the top 
We're going to dedicate. We're going to dedicate the back half of this episode to the Jim Benning media tour because I feel like a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on this, myself included. And we're going to get right into it right after this jump. All right, we are back on Power of the Towel, a Vancouver Canucks podcast, part of the Next Misconduct Network and SB Nation. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so today, Friday, March 5th, Jim Benning addressed the media and sort of, in a way, addressed the fans for the first time since the beginning of the season. He had his usual media availability right before the season. This is the first time since. And man, it's just, it's just, I don't, I, I, I'm struggling to, to find out. I wrote down my thoughts and, and my notes and what I remember thinking during these, the press conference and the Scott Rintoul interview. And we'll start with the press conference first because, man, Jim Benning has not gotten it any better at kind of managing the media, talking to the media since he's been here since 2014, right? It was I made I made this joke on Twitter, but it, it was like Groundhog Day. Like that that press that press conference was was Groundhog Day. You could have plugged that press conference into any year from 2016, somewhere around there, and it would have been it would have been a carbon copy almost. Excuses, excuses, not taking any any blame, and yeah, I see some people. Like saying kudos to Jim Benning for for facing the media. I mean, he's getting paid handsomely to be the GM of the Vancouver Canucks. He should be answering the media. That's a very low bar if your respect for Jim Benning is just answering questions. But anyways, start off with the press conference. It was available. I hope everyone had the chance to. Leave. I hope it's on YouTube later. I hope someone has the opportunity to to upload it on YouTube later. But. You know, the press conference essentially starts, he, he starts off with the excuse, there's no exhibition games, no training camp. And my thought to that is, yeah, okay, yeah, that, that sucks. You don't have a real training camp. It's only about a week or so, no exhibition games. But guess what? 30 other NHL teams suffered the same fate this year. That is not an excuse. Everyone has that. It's like blaming the salary cap. Every other team has to deal with that issue as well. That is not an excuse. I'm sorry. That you that cannot be an excuse for this for this hockey club. I can't remember who asked this. I'm sorry for all these uh, all these people who are asking the questions. I didn't write down who are asking the questions. I was just writing down my thoughts. But someone asked about the uh, the trade deadline, and he essentially said, "We'll see where we are at at the trade deadline." And again, we've talked about this on this show before. The fan base deserves a management team that is proactive with these types of decisions. No more of the no plan plan. The Canucks, unless they go on a magical run, win the next 10 games in regulation, mind you, they're probably not making the playoffs. So maybe get in front of it a bit. Maybe do something like that. I believe it was uh, Patrick Johnson who asked about his role with ownership. Didn't really give an answer. Gave a no answer. Which was fair, fair enough. He's not going to really answer it. He blamed also the pandemic and the and the flat cap. Again, something every other team has gone through. 
He wants to re-sign Tanner Pearson, which, I mean, I guess you can say that's posturing. It's posturing. He doesn't want to say, oh, we're willing to trade Tanner Pearson. But have we, what have we, we, we've been, been watching this management group for seven years. There's not posturing. They don't think of posturing. They probably want to actually re-sign Tanner Pearson. And then they come out and say you're prioritizing that over at the same time, extending Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. Well, now that's a problem. You can't multitask. That's very concerning to me as well. He asked for more patience, two more years, two more years. This management team has been here for seven years. How much more patience does this team need? How much more patience does this fan base need? He said his Toffoli comments were oversimplified. I don't believe that for a second. He then tried to say, oh, no, we, he tried to spin it as we didn't sign Toffoli because we wanted to sign, we want to see what Niels Hoaglander do and really had faith. Come on. That, that was not the reason. You, just, you simply didn't have the cap space to sign Tyler Toffoli. That's just, that's just the long and short of it. He wants to extend Travis Green and said that's going to continue. But again, if it, I, I've said it before. If he doesn't have a contract now, he's not going to have a contract by the end of the season. He's going to be a free agent. But I want to end the press conference part with this. He had, he had a great quote. We live day to day. He said, as a general manager, you live, quote, day to day. And if you're, if you're a general manager, that's not how you should be approaching things. If you're a general manager, you got to be looking forward. You can't be looking day to day. And maybe it was just Jim Benning, you know, slip of the tongue. He didn't really mean to say it like that. But come on. This is Jim Benning we're talking about. He doesn't, again, we've talked about this on the show before, the no plan plan. It doesn't look like Jim Benning is, has a two, three-year plan. It doesn't look like he's looking forward. He just tries to solve the problem right in front of him and then realizes that maybe creates another problem and then tries to solve that. He doesn't think two steps forward. And that really is your role as a general manager, right? To think two steps forward. It's disappointing that Jim Benning, seven years on the job, still has not figured that out. Then a few minutes later, he did the uh, the Scott Rintoul interview. That was on uh, Sportsnet 650, obviously, on Scott Rintoul's show on Sportsnet 650. Former guest of this program, I want to say, I don't know if you're listening to this, Scott, but you did a great job with the interview. I thought it was very informative. Maybe even a bit more informative than the press conference. I know, you know, the press conference is a bit more sterile uh, setting. But I thought Scott Rintoul, he did a great job with this interview. Hopefully it's online somewhere as well with, along with the uh, Jim Benning press conference. He starts off with, with more excuses. Last three weeks, we've been playing better. Still not getting results, Jim. The excuse of the all-Canadian division was awesome. He's pretty much said, and I, and I kind of, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but I kind of paraphrased it. He, pre- he said, here's a quote, sorry. All the teams in the North Division are really good. They're all more mature in terms of the young players than we are. So, you're, so Jim Benning's pretty much saying, Ottawa, Ottawa, a team that has been perpetually rebuilding, seems like since 2017, is further along and more mature than the Canucks. And Jim Benning's been on the job for how long? That's, that's embarrassing. That's damning. That's some damn damning evidence. 
And a great question by Scott Rintoul. Jim Benning tried to blame the schedule. Kind of like what he did in, in the original press conference. And credit to Scott Rintoul, he pushed back. He said, you know, you knew the schedule before the season started. How can you blame the schedule? It's not like this was a surprise. And he gave some answer about the direction. You have to be patient. He said this year was a good experience for Brock and Bo. I'm sure they love losing. I'm sure that really, really wants them to commit to this franchise long-term. And you can tell by closer to the end of the interview, he was getting frustrated. Scott Rintel asked about Travis Green, and his quote was, you have to understand, Scott, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Which is just, which is just a great excuse. Yeah, every other, again, every other team is dealing with this. This is not situational to you. And Scott Rintel asked if he... They, some of these questions by Scott were just savage. He asked if he feels comfortable in position. Benning responds with, until they tell me I'm not the GM, I'm going to keep doing the work. Not a ringing endorsement of your position with the Vancouver Canucks. I think Jim Benning kind of senses the, uh, the walls are closing in on him, so to say. He admitted we have to pay the young players more, and that's going to take away from the support players they can offer them. Scott Rintoul, to his credit, asked about ownership. They said he wanted to continue and get better every day. He asked about if they talk about ownership. They said it every day. So, again, we've talked about this on this show. I feel like a broken record here. Jim Benning is a lame duck GM. He doesn't really have much control without approval from ownership. He sounded agitated when Scott Rintel asked, is having the same agent impacted the Elias Patterson-Quinn Hughes negotiations? And so to summarize this entire media tour of Jim Benning, is essentially, he does, this is in the no plan plan. He does not have a plan. If you let this man continue as the GM of the Vancouver Canucks, he's keep on going to say, I need more time, I need more time. So how much more time is he going to get is a real question. You can say, oh, I need two more years. But it sounds like from this interview, Jim Benning doesn't really sound like he has much of a plan beyond this season. He comes up with a plan. He sees that it doesn't work and then tries to completely shift gears. And here's a great tweet from Wyatt Art, the stanchion online, on Twitter, that kind of sums up the situation. It's not that Benning isn't great at PR. It's the fact that he put him out there and asked him to explain the state of the team. He just won't have good answers because there aren't any. He's being held accountable for his actions right now, and a lot of it isn't pretty. And that's what these two interviews were about. Jim Benning being held accountable for his actions. <laughs> like the good leader that he is. And I say that sarcastically. He took no blame. Tried to deflect on everything he could. The flat cap, the pandemic, the condensed schedule. All things other teams are dealing with. And try to say he needed more time, more patience with this fan base. Jim Benning in 2014 said, This is a team we can turn around. In a hurry, Jim Benning in 2021 has said, by year nine, I think we're going to be real competitive. How much more time does Jim Benning need? 
And that is today's episode of Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. Subscribe to the network wherever you get podcasts. Not only do you get this show, Power of the Towel, you also get Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit, The Quickie, and of course, Sip It On to 40. It's not a post-game show anymore. I, I understand Kyle's frustration. This team blows, but it will be still multi-episodes a week. Once again, this is Power of the Towel, part of the Next Misconduct Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.